Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray, and I am your host, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you all for coming in, starting your weekend with us, and we're so excited about today's show, and we're, we're hitting on all kinds of topics today, and we decided that since we were trying to hit on so many topics, we need to go to the source of someone who knows all the topics. But first, before I introduce our guest, I want to tell you guys how to plug in with us, okay? First of all, as you all know, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. So check us out there, like our page. And we're also on Twitter, at The Housing Hour is our Twitter handle. Um, and then, of course, we're on, we're on Pinterest, we're on LinkedIn, and we're on all of those other social media networks. So we certainly would love for you guys to plug in with us. And then our most important and kind of our crown jewel of information is thehousinghour.com, where you can listen to all of our past shows. You can listen live to our shows. Um, you can certainly share here in about an hour after the show is ended. Landon's going to uh, put out the show for you guys, and you can share that with all of your uh, referral partners or friends and family. Um, and so that's where we are, and that's kind of how you can plug in with us. So without any further ado, we'd like to introduce our guest, Brian Stevens. He's with uh, a great website, and a lot of people know about it. It's National Real Estate Post, and the, the website is nationalrealestatepost.com. We have Brian Stevens in with us today. Brian, thanks for coming in. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, before we get started, I want to just to let you know how much we appreciate the information that you guys provide. And honestly, you guys really helped us to kind of motivate us and inspire us in what it is that Mark and I are doing. So we want to thank you for that, first of all. Well, you know, thanks so much. And, and honestly, right now, information needs to be really disseminated through the real estate industry. And we need to look at different ways, different conduits to, to make that happen. So you guys with your radio show getting out to people and letting Letting people know what the differences are going on right now is just, just a fantastic thing. So thank you. Absolutely. And I, matter of fact, why don't we start off with talking about your show from, I think it was last week sometime, and it was talking about, you know, the, the fact that there's this kind of idea out there that the bar, the homeowners that are currently in the market or just people in general are kind of clueless about home buying and that they don't know kind of how much a down payment that is required and lots of other different things that maybe they might not know. And and I think that that's, that's what's being put out there at least. Now you guys made the point on your show, which I thought was, was great. You know, you ask people and most people think, Hey, it's 20% down for a down payment. You know, why do you think that exists? Why do you think that there's that gap? Well, you know, a couple points on that and the articles out there and you know, the talking points are that buyers are clueless. And I thought, well, are, are people really clueless? I think a better way of saying it is people are misinformed. Right. Now, you know, you're in the lending industry, and you're seeing constant and dynamic changes taking place on a daily basis. Mm. A lot of people who are actually writing loans right now aren't up to speed with all the changes and the, poli the policy changes and underwriting changes that we have right now. So I think, it's, I think it's unfair to assume that our buyers out there and our clients out there are going to know what's going on. Right. But it was a report that was put out by Zillow, and I, I fundamentally agree with, with the points that they made because we had, had this conversation with a number of people across the country over the years. One of the points is, is 
like I said, that um, you know, most people out there don't know that you can get a mortgage for under five percent down. I had a conversation with a lady, a realtor up in Portland, Oregon, and this was about a year and a half ago. And just funny, funny lady. And she was asking everybody she knew, you know, if she's getting her oil changed, if she's going into a restaurant, the grocery store, her neighbor, her friends, that type of thing, how much money they thought was needed to put down on a house in order to get it. And people, by and large, said 20%. Well, when you open up a newspaper, you go online, and you're hearing how the industry is falling apart, that's actually a pretty reasonable assumption if you're not in the know. Yeah. But that creates a problem. And the problem is, if people think that it's 20% down, or in many markets, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 is a down payment, in order to play the game of buying a house, the housing industry is going to get tuned out from those people. Mm. So we need to have better talking points. Yeah. We need to let people know, you know, that in, in a lot of rural areas, you can have 0% down loans. We've got our VA loans, which is 0%, FHA, which is, you know, 3.5%. And when you consider what you're going to be putting into your first and your last month, uh, rent plus your deposit as a down payment when you're moving into a rental, that's going to be basically what your down payment, some of your closing costs are going to be if you were to go ahead and buy that similar property. And in many markets, you can own that cheaper than you can rent it. So what we propose is for people in the real estate and lending community is as they're having those casual conversations with the people that they might be able to influence to buy a house rather than rent, start that conversation out with a question. Ask them. Say, hey, just out of curiosity, I'm doing my own little informal survey here. How much money do you think you need as a down payment to buy a house? And if they say anything less than zero, you have a nice rebuttal retort to that conversation where you can say, did you know that if you're in some rural areas, it's 0% down? It could be as low as 3.5% down, and you're going to get some of the best rates you will ever see in your lifetime. Now, if you could buy a house with 0 to 3.5% down, is that a conversation that you would like to have? Yeah. It's a disarming approach to talking to people and informing them of what a benefit buying a house would be with such a low down payment, and it puts people in a better position to go ahead and maybe start to have that conversation, create that dialogue, so we can get more people to go ahead and buy properties, which we all know is really the right decision for folks to do. We, we actually, point on this is this. Oh, I'm go ahead. Absolutely. One more thing. Every realtor and lender out there right now is going to have a conversation with one of their friends five years down the road. And that friend is going to say to you, man, I wish you would have told me I should have bought a house five years ago mm-hmm. because right, rates and prices are yep. going to go up. You're exactly right. So what we need to do is try to find a way to not have that conversation five years down the road. And the way to do that is to better inform the people that we're talking with on a daily basis. But, hey, Brian, what happened? Because before 2007, not only did people didn't think that they had to have to have any money going into the deal, they didn't think they had to have a job. Well, what transpired between 2007 and now that people uh, all of a sudden need 20%? Well, because the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction. Remember, in 2006, you know, you weren't necessarily a cook at a, you know, a, a Denny's. You were an executive chef, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and so what's happened was, is we really vilified the lending community. Yeah. And we really vilified what was going on. You and, guys and, sure and did. And talking points coming oh, down I'm from kidding. Washington were that we're going to crack down on these guys. We're going to get rid of all these liar loans, all these terrible loans, these negam loans, these prepayment penalties. We're going we're to kill these guys. And so it's a very natural response for people who are on the sidelines, not looking at the stuff as closely as we are, 
to assume that lending has gotten too strict. People can't buy houses right now. Well, you know, a logical assumption would be you got to have more money to put down on the property. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the other things that we always talk about is, you know, loan officers that are out there. And, and this is not to knock big banks at all. I'm, I, I, my dad works for one. I, I, I love big banks, you know, at some level. But, you know, you really need to make sure that you are borrowing money from someone that knows the ins and outs of what an APR is, as an example. And, and you know, one of the things that you could make sure to do that is that you go with someone who is licensed, you know, even a butcher has to be licensed. Why wouldn't a loan officer? So that's kind of getting off on another tangent. Now, when you guys look at what's happening in the debate right now and, and you know, it kind of segues back to the whole education of what you can deduct on your taxes as it relates to mortgages. And so I think it goes hand in hand with what the debate is about, you know, home buyers being quote unquote clueless. At least that's the story that we're telling. But there is some anecdotal evidence or maybe even some real evidence here that suggests that not everybody is using the tax benefit that a mortgage allows. Talk a little bit about that. You know, there, there's that there's that debate going on right now in Washington, and actually one of the executives at our company is is involved in um, kind of a congressional study. But talk about where that disconnect ha- happened with the mortgage deduction. Well, it's you're right. People aren't taking their tax deductions. They're they're simply not doing it. Over the half half the people that can, their line item deduction on their interest, they're they're just not doing it. Right. And we know that now. The whole idea of our tax deduction is, is we hold that sacred. And part of the reason we hold it sacred is NAR, who brings in $800 million a year and is one of the strongest lobbying forces in Washington, are going to make sure that that's held sacred. Yeah. The problem comes in is that there's a huge amount of money that the government really honestly, and if you, if you listen to these think tanks, and if you listen to any of the congressional testimony that takes place, they see that as lost money. Right. Not money that they shouldn't have in the first place, but it's money that they're losing. So when you're looking at $40, $80 billion a year in interest that's being lost, well, they're going to try to find a way to recoup it. Now, if half the people are taking advantage of their tax deduction, the first problem comes in, what if everybody realized they could take this tax deduction? Right. Then Washington would see this as a huge loss, and that's a very, very scary proposition. Well, here, let me ask you this question, because they're really concerned about this $85 billion that currently is being utilized. But aren't we basically buying $85 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities every month? I mean, this is like a drop in the bucket when you look at the overall budget. I mean, it doesn't even show up. Well, isn't it a funny place in the world where we can talk about $85 billion as a drop in the bucket? Yeah, I know. know. And I know it's not a drop in the bucket, but I mean, over the overall scheme of things, that's the way it appears. Well, it is. It it, it may be a drop drop in the bucket, but it's a lot of money. And if it's money that you think that's owed to you, okay, then that becomes more significant. So... The other part of this equation that's interesting is right now is we're looking at, you know, um, our tax policy overhauls right now in Washington. Right. Well, nobody, nobody in Washington likes to say the term race taxes. You know, that's, right. always, that's always a sore subject, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on. But if you're simply pulling a deduction away, aren't you effectively raising taxes without saying you're raising taxes? Yeah. And that becomes a much more expedient and, and politically advantageous way to approach raising taxes without actually saying it. So when you're looking at the $85 billion, well, if we can overhaul 
our mortgage interest tax deduction, if we can overhaul it, well, and we can find a way to pull some of that $85 billion a year back to us, well, that becomes something that becomes a little bit easier for our politicians to swallow. But and I think also, I mean, isn't it too about educating the home buyer? And it's also, you know, because I mean, eighty-five billion of that, and it highly, um, it's being highly used by by upper income brackets, the low to moderate folks. Maybe they don't know about it. Maybe they don't qualify for the deduction because maybe they don't pay enough interest. But do you think some of it could be education as well? I mean, the IRS is not I, I, holding I, classes you know, on I, this without. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just will say the IRS is not out there holding seminars on this at your local mall. <laughs> no, they certainly aren't. And I wouldn't plan on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, and, and not trying to stereotype, but it, it does. It does. The deduction seems to go uh, right in line with different socioeconomic patterns. Mm. So it, it basically boils down to this: if you make a lot of money, you probably have a pretty high mortgage because you pro- probably got a pretty big house, or you're living in a you know, a high-cost area, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, places like that. Well, it's that more sophisticated homeowner that understands the line item and the deduction mm-hmm. and tends to take it more frequently. Yeah, maybe it's now, H&R and I, Block's I, fault. Yeah, and I don't know what the reason is, <laughs> but it, it seems to be those that are on the other end of the scale, you know, truly the people who probably need it more than the, than, than the folks at the upper end yeah. are not taking it. Oh, yeah. So, so the overhaul that's being bantered about is, well, let's cap the interest. Let's allow a deduction to take place up until a certain interest level on an annualized basis, and anything above that, um, there's no deduction. Yeah. So what that effectively does is it tax keeps increase. The, ta- the, the tax deduction, <laughs> or excuse me, the interest deduction in place for those on the lower end that do not use it, and it takes it away from the people at the higher end of the economic spectrum who do use it. Right. So it effectively becomes a reverse tax for high-cost areas. Well, in my opinion, as a part of that, they should, if they do overhaul it, and this is just part of the debate, they need to make sure that in the people who really use you know, the H&R blocks, the TurboTax, there needs to be something implemented in those softwares and or the sales associates doing the tax returns where they educate people more about what deductions they can and can't take. I know TurboTax does a pretty good job with that, but they need to do more. Well, right after this break, we're going to dive into some other things. We're going to dive into some good news, um, and we're going to just talk back and forth. This is great. We have Brian Stevens here with National Real Estate Post. We'll be right back after these messages. Homeownership matters, and Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you with all your home financing needs. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, our federally licensed loan officers are ready to help you sort through all the mortgage loan options. So call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. 
In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Hey, I'm Kevin Ray, host of The Housing Hour. Please join me and my co-host Mark Griffith every Saturday from 8 to 9 as we bring you the latest news from the housing market. And be sure to check out our website, thehousinghour.com, for great resources on housing-related issues and links to our archive shows. So join me, Kevin Ray, and Mark Griffith each week as we tackle issues of home ownership. The Housing Hour is a locally produced show presented by Mortgage Investors Group. The Housing Hour, Saturdays from 8 to 9, right here on WOKI. Fairways and Greens Golf Center invites you to their 7th Annual Open House and Super Demo Day on Saturday, May 11th from 10 until 3. If you've been anxiously waiting to try out the hottest golf equipment of 2013, here's your chance. The industry's top manufacturers will be on site so you can try and buy the most current equipment technology. This event is free to the public, so make plans today to attend the Open House and Super Demo Day at Fairways and Greens this Saturday from 10 until 3. Find out more and call Fairways and Greens at 777-GOLF or visit them on the web at fairwaysandgreens.com. Great. Where is this going to come from? There's no way. How am I going to pay my mortgage? First, I'd lose my job. And now, I'm about to lose my house. What happened to the American dream? There's got to be something I can do. There is. Keep My Tennessee Home has U.S. funds for struggling Tennessee homeowners. Visit Keep My Tennessee Home at keepmytnhome.org and see if you qualify today. Season after season, Cough and Shoes is the best place to shop for footwear with new looks from old favorites like Bass, Florsheim, Rockport, Sebago, Merrill, Allen Edmonds, and Johnston and Murphy. Coffin has European comfort shoes like Echo, Mephisto, Fitflop, Clarks, Riker, and Dansko with widths from really skinny to extra wide for men and women and men's sizes from 5.5 to 18 and women's sizes from 4 to 13. The knowledgeable staff will find shoes that fit your style and feet. Comfort for your feet at Coffin Shoe Company in the Bearden Shopping Center on Kingston Pike, one block east of North Shore Drive. Attention men, if you're urinating more often or waking at night to urinate, we want to send you a free bottle of Beta Prostate. Beta Prostate is our best-selling supplement made with a natural ingredient that supports healthy urine flow and more complete bladder emptying. It's also been shown to reduce waking at night from the urge to urinate. To find out how to get your free bottle, just call 800-467-5160. Since Beta Prostate debuted, Our warehouse has shipped over 2 million bottles, but there are still men who have yet to discover this amazing supplement. That's why for a limited time, you can try a full 30-day supply of Beta Prostate free. You only pay shipping and handling. This free Beta Prostate giveaway is only available while supplies last. And once it's gone, it's gone. Just call 800-467-5160. That's 800-467-5160. Call 800-467-5160. Hey, this is Halloran. Here's a word you don't often hear in government. Surplus. The county has one. What should we do with that money? We'll talk about it Monday. Plus, a flawed hero and why immigration means you failed. We start at 530, the Halloran Hilton Hill Morning Show. Bring your own brain, think out loud, have some fun. News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. 
Oh, I love it. I love this song. The Brady Bunch. Sunny days are here again. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, there's a story behind this song. And um, if you guys listen or watch, rather, to the National Real Estate Post, you know there was there was a video that they did, and this was the theme of the video. And you guys, our listeners, p- please do me a favor, and we're going to be linking this to our, our I'll, site. I'll post it up on our website. Absolutely. And it's the nationalrealestatepost.com. And you can go there and they do what they do is they do a daily video that's that's very current and it has information that's for for just the general public, loan officers, real estate agents. They do a great job with molding the show each day to give you the information that you need in a four or five minute um, sound bite, if you will. And they do a great job with the imagery they use, the the comedy, the um, really kind of unique blend of both comedy and also information. And I have been watching them for a long time, and I think that you guys should too. So you can find them right there on the nationalrealestatepost.com. Um, and they're on Facebook and they're all, all that stuff. And even though they say, which was funny about Facebook not being maybe the most current thing, I still think it is. But um, you can find them on Twitter, and I'm sure you guys are on other social medias as well. Oh, we, we're all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Well, before I move on, though, I do want to also tell you, and we'll move on to our conversation in a moment with Brian, um, but I do want to tell you guys about a company that both Mark and I believe very strongly in, and that's Admiral Title. Um, and you know what? The way that they do it, Brian and Frank, they take very complex subjects and make it very simple to understand. That's the same thing that Admiral Title does when they take you through your real estate closing. Because a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, a lot of the documents, we're going to prepare you certainly throughout the process, but you're going to get to the end of the line and you're going to have a closing and you need somebody that we can hand the baton off to and be able to take you to the end of the race. And that's what Admiral Title does. Of course, Phyllis worked for us for 16 years. She was one of our VPs. She did an incredible job and she's transitioned into this business over eight years ago. She started Admiral Title with her husband, Terry, and they have transformed, in my opinion, the title business in Knoxville. They just do a fantastic job. Admiral Title, they are your compass. They are the people that will take you from A to Z when it comes to your real estate closing. I trust them. Mark trusts them. They're a friend of the show's. And I recommend you call them today, 865-531-6060. So let's go back in and talk in um, a little bit. We're here with Brian Stevens for again. Yes. By the way, just just real quickly on Admiral Title. How many many people in real estate and lending are listening right now where you had a perfect transaction all the way up until the very end? Yeah. You know? And you have the wrong person sitting at that desk and it leaves a sour taste, you know, in your buyer's mouth. You're right. Having having somebody there to, to... to take these things home that you trust is, is huge. It's vital. And you think about it, you know, um, like Phyllis who started that company, she knows that. And that's why, you know, she saw a need in the title business because you don't know who's going to handle it. And if you're a loan officer out there, you should be going to all of your closings. Um, and you know, if you're a, if you're a, a big producer and maybe you, you have eight or nine closings in a day, well, you need a team. You need somebody represented there. In my opinion, that's my humble opinion. So, um, and I know, I know that you definitely and Frank are are, are throwback uh, loan officers at heart, right? Well, we're just a couple old guys. So <laughs> we don't know any better, but yeah, we we certainly think that personal touch is uh is what it's right. all about. It, sales is sales. It's never going to change. We might we might you know communicate in, in different ways, but sales is sales, and it's always about the personal touch. And you know what's a real um, interesting 
situation for, for people in the lending business, because, you know, cause my parents were in lending, you know, both my parents are still in lending and you always heard, Hey, when there's good news in the economy and things are going really good for the economy, that means that the rates are going up. <laughs> and then right, on the flip right. side of that, when, when things were tanking, you know, when unfortunately nine 11 and all of the things that came after that, you know, some of the things happened with the rates and things were going down as far as rates go. That's really in the lending industry. It's always been a very strange convergence of information. I mean, how do, how do we communicate to the public? Because I think, I think I know, but I would like to hear your thoughts on that. How do you properly communicate to the public about kind of what's going on? Well, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting dichotomy because I, well, first of all, I agree with you entirely. Uh, let's put it in a dis- different perspective here. If you're in the market for buying a 5 Series BMW, or if you're a salesperson at a BMW dealership, and you go into work that day and they say, you know what, guys, man, we just slashed the prices on all these BMWs by $10,000. You're not, as a salesperson, going to be like, oh, my God, what a horrible thing. Right. You know, you're going to say, I've got a new opportunity to go out and talk to people and say, hey, you, you have a wonderful savings on this car that you're in the market for. Mm. If you want to buy a BMW... And you go to that BMW dealership and say, hey, man, we just sliced, you know, the prices by $10,000 today. And you know what? They might go down by another four or $5,000, next, you know, next week. Right. You're not going to sag your head and say, what a horrible uh, occurrence. You're going to jump for joy. Yep, that's, Yet that's right. That's exactly what we did in the lending and real estate community. As prices continued to go down, we, 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 we slumped our shoulders and got upset about it. And rates continued to go down. You know, we had a, we had affordability here about a year ago. That I'm telling you right now, we've never seen in our lifetime, and nobody is going to see going forward for the rest of their life. Uh, you know, that's right. Having rates at three and a half to four percent, I think everybody knows that that's not sustainable. You know, I've been saying for the past five years that rates are going to go up, and my <laughs> only saving grace is as long as I keep saying it, I'll eventually be right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. True. Yeah. I know. I know. So, we say we've been saying it here. Go ahead. I said we've been saying it here as well, and it's it's like, well, yeah, we've been saying that for a long time, but it's absolutely going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Right, and and so one of the things that I did, for instance, uh, about a year ago, is I went to um, down to um, our county's recorder's office, and I and I and I got a bunch of information on housing. For I live in the Solano County in Northern California, and mm-hmm. I found out what a median rent was for on a property that I think was 1,700 square feet, built between the years 1995 to 2005. And the rent on a property for that went for like $1,800. So what I did was I went and found a foreclosed property, and I said, okay, I'm going to back this out. How much house can I buy for, that, uh, for comparable $1,800 in rent? Well, I found a place that fit the specs in terms of the year the property was built, the square footage we had, rooms, amenities, everything. But even when I, was, even when I, I figured out what a payment on that property would be, it was like $1,400. Yeah. So, so it was literally, we, when we hit this affordability peak or apex to where it is literally cheaper to own that house than it would be to rent a comparable property, well, there's no reason not to buy it. And there's really no reason for property values to continue to sink below that point. So a good talking point with people is I have, I've always said for real estate agents, go find that property, find out what comparable rent would be, okay, and then find out what the payment is going to be, and then just turn around. Don't look at the door. Turn around and look at all the properties around you and knock on those doors and say, hey, do you want to move three doors down, move into this house, 
just like renting, okay, except your rent's going to be $300 cheaper. Oh, and by the way, you don't even need to get a moving truck because you can just take that lazy boy in that 64-inch uh, you know, TV and just walk it right down the road. Yeah. And you own the place. And the great thing about owning it then is, of course, you can have your three pit bulls and you can take your El Camino and put it up on blocks in your front yard. And nobody can say anything. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. because you own it unless it's a PUD and they might not allow for El Caminos. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, th- those are the real simple talking points that I think that we should be driving home. Now, that affordability index of renting versus owning is starting to really level out in most major metro areas. There's a lot of talk that the housing boom that we've seen for the past year and a half is going to level out a little bit. It's not going to drop back down, but it might level out a little bit. But what that means is that we still have that affordability to where owning it over renting it makes more sense. And here's the great kicker that we haven't even talked about yet. Your property, if you own it long enough, will A, eventually get paid off, and B, eventually go up in value. Mm. So we have, we, have a, we have a number of great talking points that we just need to be a little bit more precise with, with when we have our conversations with our potential clients. You know, we have the Brady Bunch, the sunshiny day. Nobody likes somebody in sales who's going to sit there and complain about how horrible everything is. Oh, no. Our industry, by and large, right now is not horrible, and we need to stay on point when we're having our conversations with our clients and let them know of the extraordinary opportunities that they have in front of them. And I, and I think it's just about, you know, being positive. And being positive doesn't mean that you're trying to hoodwink somebody. I mean, you're going to give them the facts. You're going to tell them, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on in the market. Here's where things were five years ago. Here's where we see things in five years. Here's what the rent payment, I mean, you're giving them information. And at the same time, you're also saying, hey, it's happy. We're happy out here. You know, everybody is is very thrilled while at the same time also understanding that we don't want to go back to where we were. We don't want there to be a a housing bubble. We don't want there to be an increase in value that we saw between 2000 and I guess 2000 and 2008. I mean, it, if you look at any graph, inflation adjusted or not, it was absurd with where prices went. You know, and, and Mark and I, I don't know if you had an opportunity, but I'd love for you to read the liquidity factor. But we've been talking about what's been happening in the housing market over the last 10 years, because, or even the last 50, because we like to know what the history was so we can know what the future will be. And we've been analyzing all of this and trying to be able to give the best information possible. And I think it's right in line with what you're saying. I mean, you know, there is information to be disseminated to the public. It's just a matter of how you wrap it up and give it to them. And, and you're not trying to, like I said, you're not lying to them. You're, you're giving it to them in a positive light. This 5 Series BMW still has a six-cylinder. It still is an awesome car. It's yeah. just, you know, you're getting it cheaper. That's not a bad thing. It's, it's called supply and demand or however you spin it. But Brian, one of the things that we're seeing in this market, and I'm sure in the national picture, it's they're seeing the experiencing the same thing, is that there's not enough quality listings. There's mm. a, we've got a lot of buyers looking, and it's really bidding up prices. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're having some issues. We really haven't run into it too much with the values or the appraised values matching those bid up prices that mm-hmm. we're seeing. So we're not having that problem specifically yet. But uh, what are you seeing in your part of the world, and uh, as far as quality listings on the market? not enough inventory? Yeah, great question. Well, you, you can't swing a dead cat around without hitting nine buyers, that's for <laughs> sure. It's, it's the listings that are the issue. And and by the way, that's in every single market in the country that's not called Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. And, and, and that, really is, that really is the issue. Um, but 
you know, so what do we have, uh, you know, in front of us? Well, uh, with our new home builders, housing starts are up. Um, permits are up, which means houses, you know, our <clears throat> stick-built homes are being put up, not at a record pace, but at a very aggressive pace that we saw, you know, in 2004 and 2005. Permits for new housing, it's also up. It's up significantly. So that means the new home builders are going to, um, really fill that void that we have between um, consumers, buyers that want a house, but simply can't get them because of a lack of inventory. The other thing that we're seeing going on right now is everyone talks about the shadow inventory. And, and what, a sh- what our shadow inventory is, is properties that either have been foreclosed on or are vacated and the mm-hmm. bank is waiting to foreclose on them, but they're not putting them on the market. That inventory has fallen significantly over the past few years as a lot of these lawsuits with our major lenders and major servicers are starting to be fulfilled. And, you know, there's not as much fear about future lawsuits as we had in past years. So our shadow inventory is going to start coming on the market. One of the other things that we also know is taking place is I was at a, an REO conference in Dallas, Texas here a few months ago with all the major lenders. Um, and, 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 and the talking points at the REO conference, the real estate-owned conference was, that there's a huge desire to move away from foreclosures and make our short sales easier to do. Now, we know that we've got a couple real estate agents who control a lot of these large accounts uh, with the the REO business. But by really directing and trying to simplify short sales, it takes all those other well-intended, hardworking real estate agents who are on the outside looking in during this REO boom, and it gives them an opportunity to once again compete for those listings from the folks that they have known and have been part of their database for years. So we should see an increase in our short sale business, a streamlining of our REO business, and we're also seeing new home builders with their starts and permits start to increase, meaning that we should be able to uh, fill that that supply for the demand that we have with buyers right now. Now, of yeah. course, the concern there becomes, well, what if we overbuild? What if we release too many properties through REOs? And, you know, is that going to create that mini bubble that everybody's freaking out about? But again, I always go back to we still have um, we still have that opportunity to where our rents and our mortgage payments are running parallel to each other. So even if we see um, a leveling off of our of uh, home values, I don't see a significant drop. Yeah, because we'll hold that thought. Let's, we can we can get, tackle that on the other side of the break. This is great stuff. We have Brian Stevens here with National Real Estate Post. We'll be right back after these messages. Market realities in the housing market are making this a great time to buy. Home prices are right. Rates are rock bottom low. It's time to act. But you need a company primed to help you take advantage of the great opportunity. That company, Mortgage Investors Group. Refinancing. First, let's talk about that. What if you could take your 30-year mortgage and turn it into a 15 You could save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mortgage Investors Group can get it done with payments close to your 30. That way, your house can be paid off before the kids finish high school. If you're a first-time homebuyer, you're going to love Mortgage Investors Group. They have programs where you don't have to make a huge down payment, plus their information is accurate and reliable, and they get their deals done in 30 days or less. Best in the state for 10 years running. Go to their great new website, MIGonline.com, and find one of the 18 locations closest to you. The opportunities are real. The American dream is within reach. Let's get started. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Equal housing lender, mortgage license 109111. 
Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Spring is just around the corner. Temperature begins to warm, plants start to bloom, and truthfully, what's more fun than planting a garden with your family and letting your kids pick out the flowers? Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you make these precious memories come true for you. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, we have the loan to fit your needs. So call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 1091. This is Halloran. Growing up, mom went out of her way for us. This Mother's Day, go the extra mile for her. Show her the love and appreciation she deserves. Spa 9700. They've got Mother's Day packages, a gift boutique. Hey, this is easy. A gift certificate in store or online at spa9700.com. Mother's Day. Show how much you care with a special relaxing day at Spa 9700. Kingston Pike and Franklin Square. 357-7721. Spa 9700. Putting the ah in spa. Are you in the market to purchase a new home? Many first-time home buyers and veterans qualify for 2 or 4% down payment grants from the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. THDA offers 30-year fixed-rate mortgages insured by FHA, VA, USDA, or conventional loans. For more information, please visit our website at www.thda.org. Every day, people make our community safer, stronger, and a better place to enjoy our family and friends. Hi, this is Dave Folk. News Talk 98.7 and Fleener Security Systems will recognize a special person each Tuesday in the 1 o'clock news. They'll be called Folk Heroes, and as a bonus, get two tickets to Carmike Cinemas. If you'd like to nominate a Folk Hero, email me, folk01 at gmail.com. You spell that F-O-U-L-K. News Talk 98.7, Fleener Security Systems. Salute all Folk Heroes. Hey everyone, this is Kevin Ray with the Housing Hour, and we want you guys to call Josh White at Home Harvest. Josh can build a vegetable garden in your backyard any size that you want, and that's what he does. He can help design a plan for you in your garden. Call Josh today at Home Harvest, and that's at 865-712-2745. Home Harvest, 865-712-2745. For today, look for mainly gray skies across East Tennessee with occasional showers and pop-up thunderstorms, highs around 72. From the VLT Local Aid Weather Center, I'm Chief Meteorologist David Aldrich. The Phil Show. Tomorrow on the front page, uh, I say a dog in a burning backyard, virtue trespass. <laughs> Afternoons on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Absolutely love that song. 
Guys, we have another company that we uh, have to tell you about that we love. We really enjoy working with them, and that's Knox Homes Magazine. And you know Knox Homes Magazine. We had the guys in a couple of maybe weeks ago, a few weeks back, and and what they do is they actually offer a free service to you. You can go pick up their magazine at any place you find in Knoxville, New Sentinel, um, and some other places as well. But I would highly recommend you guys going picking up a copy. If you're a realtor or a lender, uh, we put advertisements in there. And as a matter of fact, we got specifically alone just last week as a result of that. And we appreciate them and we certainly appreciate their viewers um, that are out there and their, their, I guess you would call them viewers. Their readers is what you would call them. Um, but definitely give them an opportunity to work with them. And um, you know what? I think that as far as the market is concerned, you know, you look at who is out there currently have printing magazines and you have a couple of few that are out there, but none of which have that personal relationship that Jim and Joey Hackworth provide. And I think that goes a long way. Um, he comes in with this cowboy hat at once a month, talks to me about what we're doing, what's working, what's not working. And I think that that's really missed out in the market that we're in right now. So I would highly recommend talking to them. You can go visit their website, thenoxhomes.com, and you can find out all about them and find their contact information right there on their site. Highly recommend them, the Knox Homes. Thanks so much. Now, we want to get back into this last segment because I think that I want you to ask your question, but then I do want to transition before we close, and I want to definitely tackle the Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae question, what we're going to do with them. But before we get to that, go ahead and and ask your question. Brian, going back to the last uh, segment where you're discussing about the the listings and the quality listings that are out there, you mentioned that home builders are really starting to pick up uh, the pace on building to bring qualified uh, units out there. We're starting to see... Uh, a lot more construction loans being initiated at my office, and we're starting to see a lot more custom homes. But there is one thing that is occurring. I'd like like for you to speak to them as as a selling point. But uh, one thing that we're seeing is the the sticker shock, uh, because there's an expectation of these folks coming in. They're anticipating these lower value properties and that they can get a nice home at a lower value because that's where the market is on existing homes. At least they think. They think. But then when they start to see the new construction costs and the prices are still up there, there's a lot of sticker shock. So this is an ongoing issue. Just like to get your take on that. Well, you know, and and you're right. I would would hope that that would start to change now. Um, You know, out in our area, which is Sacramento, California, you know, you have your, you know, your typical 3-2 built in 90, 1990 coming on the market, and literally there's 50 offers on the property that day. Mm. Some people yeah. still think, um, you know, that it is 2008, 2009, when you could pretty much offer what you wanted and have that offer taken seriously. Uh, it's just not the case, like I said, in every major metro area in the country right now. This is where really working with a seasoned real estate agent becomes... Great Incredibly point. important. Mm. Now, lenders and realtors always have this little adversarial relationship with each other, but we have a symbiotic relationship, meaning we're going after the same client but not the same dollar. And we don't need to be adversarial with them because it's the realtor who's, who's going to be putting that offer in and who's going to be educating the buyer and who's going to understand what the market is. So you're putting an offer in that has the possibility of getting accepted. You know, lowballing things today, it, it simply isn't going to work. And this is where we need to lean on our realtor partners and we need to make sure that we're working with the right ones. And I think it makes a great point. And we honestly, we don't have necessarily that relationship. We feel like we're, we're it's an open relationship. We, we love our realtors yes. here. Um, but I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, we want to educate not only our consumers, 
but we also want to be in partnership with our realtor. Tyler Fogarty talked about this yeah, he point did. specifically, he, how yeah. to prepare them to make an offer, to make Absolutely. it sure it's a realistic offer. Exactly. And be also prepared for them to accept it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you they, know, because you're right. If, if, if my understanding going into this thing is I'm going to get a hell of a deal and I'm going to screw this guy out of his property, you know, with my offer. Yeah. But the reality is, is that there's a bidding war, you know, to, to get my offer accepted. Right. Exactly. Well, my reality you know, and the actual reality, that, that gap that we have there can create for a very, very uncomfortable, um, you know, uh, writing of a contract. If we have the right realtors in there who are educating these buyers, you know, so that they're going to go in there and be competitive with these properties, all the while reminding them that they're still getting one heck of a deal. That's right. You know, with the rate and the property, but it might not just be what they expected. Yeah, And, 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 and yeah. that's what it comes down to, is really leaning on our realtors out there. And then that kind of comes to the point of, of education and, and having a top-notch realtor. And so let's transition this conversation a little bit into um, the GSEs and, and where we're going from there. And, and uh, we posted a blog last week. Mark did part four of our liquidity factor series um, that you can find on thehousinghour.com. We have it right now if you'd like to go uh, watch it or go look at it and, and read it. But, you know, over the years, you know, I think that what we saw was – you know, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae played, and they still do play, a very instrumental part in how lenders lend. And they really give us the liquidity to be able to standardize underwriting guidelines. And and you know what? It has worked very well. Yes, there was that moment in time where, you know, all the you-know-what hit the fan. But overall, I don't see it being as broken. I think it's almost as if it's it's just a, a lurch reaction, you know, to a problem that they feel happened. And, and, you know, you had the whole Dodd-Frank, you know, debacle, in my opinion, and some of the things that the CFPB, you know, are, are tying into that just doesn't make common sense, you know, and, and we could go on and on about that. But, and I don't want, you know, the Obama administration looking at my taxes, so I'll be nice to them, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But, um, but talk about, Brian, if you will, a little bit about kind of where we are because it's going to have to be dealt with. I mean, you know, you've got Bob Corker has a plan. You've got, I mean, you have plans out there floating about, but tell me kind of your take on it. What's going on? What do we need to know? Well, the GSCs. So that's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, right? Correct. The last I checked. Fannie Mae's been around for about 75 years. Freddie Mac's been around for about 50 years, give or take a couple of years. Mm Mm-hmm. Over the course of that time, they've been profitable all but five years. Mm. Over the course of that time, with their public-private enterprise, they made money for private money investors. Over the course of that time, they've been remarkably philanthropic, meaning they're giving money to different charities and serving the underserved across the country for that entire existence, with the exception of a few years. Right. Can't we just call it a mulligan? (laughs) Really? I mean, really? Why are you going to fix something that's not broken? You know, the bank suffered, the GSC suffered, the the car industry suffered. You know, the you know somebody who makes Beanie Babies suffered during those years. Everybody was suffering during the largest economic turndown since the Great Depression. Yeah. Can't we just call it a mulligan and be done with it? Because here's what's happening right now: Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Not only are they profitable. They're more profitable now than they have ever been. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the Treasury goes in there on a quarterly basis and sweeps all of their money. Mm. They're not just paying back the interest and the principal on their bailouts. 
they're paying that amp sum. They're taking their 30 year note and they're going to pay this thing off in a few years. Yeah, this is awesome because they are. They are sweeping their profits right into the bank. They're sweeping their profits, all of them. And, and you know, I mean, looking back. So they're more profitable now than they've ever been. They've been profitable for almost their entire existence. They've been philanthropic philanthropic with what they've done. Oh, and by the way, they've got their hands in 75% of the mortgages in this country. Why in the heck would we want to mess with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they bring affordable lending to the entire country. Absolutely. But here's the deal. I don't care who, who wants to go ahead and revamp or get rid of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Here's the truth of the matter. Let's take everything I said and throw it aside. They increase the G fee, which is the guarantee fee on every loan delivered or going through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and the government does not need to use that money for Fannie and Freddie. They can mm. use it for other endeavors. Once again, guys, it's a tax. It's yeah. a tax that's going to be there for the next 10 years. And the last time I checked, nobody in Congress is very good about doing away with taxes that bring money into them. There's just no way they can get rid of them. Right. Well, and I think the big mistake, and I may be way off base with this, but one of the big mistakes that was made maybe could have been, you know, contributed to this whole problem. And it happened, you know, with the Alt-A, the subprime became a larger portion of the pie. I don't know if they're directly responsible for that. I don't know that the Clinton administration was responsible. I don't care who was responsible for that. But the fact of the matter was that home prices increased way too dramatically. The lending practices became way too slack. And, you know, we have tightened up well before everybody else did in 2008 you know what we're not doing the things today that we were doing in 2008 we're not doing right. the the pay option arms the reverse amortization well, all that well, we're not doing it so that my point is that you know we have corrected the system now there are important legislative things that probably do need to be put in place for these you know really crazy batches of loans we need to make sure that investors that are purchasing these pools of loans and they only want a paper loans. They're not getting anything else. Well, there, Brian, there's also this, uh, you know, during that bust and during that period of time where uh, up to 2008, the private label mortgage backed securities were in place and they were doing the subprime stuff and, and they've disappeared. So is there a blend now where the private label guys could come back in with maybe some federal regulation to keep them from coming up with the subprime uh, products again and just try to blend some of this and take it away, maybe fix some of that 75%. I think you guys had a video on this just the other day. Really? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I sure hope so. I want to see negative NEGAM arms come back. I want to see NEGAM option arms, stated income loans come back. I think they're good for the market, and I mean that too. I'm not joking. When these things first came out, they were being sold – um, by the way, Dave Stevens, who's now the president of the NBA, started out over at um, <clears throat> World Savings. And when he was running World Savings, that's all they did. Yeah. They were with a copy and the cozy and their negam, their stated income, their self-employed. And it was the best performing portfolio of loans in the country. Yeah. And the reason was because you did have to have a down payment. Right. You did to have, had to have reserves. You did have to have good credit scores in order to qualify for one of these things. It was a loan right. that was intended for the right person. Our self-employed people right now are kind of on the outside looking in, mm, and there are people right. where that Very loan good is a point. good thing. What we did is we, we bastardized the whole thing. Mm, so I hope yeah. it does come back, and I think it will. Now, as far as the GSEs goes, Fannie and Freddie just came out and said they're not going to, they're not going to be dealing with anything that isn't a qualified mortgage that meets the safe harbor standard. Right. So what they've come out and said is we're only going to take the clean creme de la creme, you know, you know mom, pa, meat and potato type of deals. So, so we understand what their pain threshold is going to be. 
and, and, and I think we all accept it. It doesn't mean that the market still doesn't have room for the oddball buyer with, with the well-intended qualified buyer who does not meet the safe harbor qualified mortgage standard. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to have some form of financing. It means it needs to be different and it needs to be regulated. So I certainly right, hope it right. does come back. Well, and, I, and I, what I think uh, your video, and, and I may be wrong about this, but the video, you, you played kind of a, a sarcastic take on this, which is yeah. that we're doing this, you know, this is happening all over again. The QRM, we have, it's the same exact thing. It's, the, it's almost a repeat of history. How do we change history? And what do, what do we need to know as lenders, as a real estate community, as the public? Who do we need to tell and what do we need to tell them? What, what should, what's the big kind of silver bullet that will keep from happening, keep these things from happening again? It, it's regulation. I, you know, there, I'm not against all regulation. I'm just against a lot of the regulation that has been put forth since 2008. Mm. Um, but we do have to have regulation. You know, when we're talking about those world savings stated income negam deals and how it was a well-performing portfolio, and it was. The problem was is securitization came in and we started to bundle these things and then we started to change our guidelines. Mm. And then you had the, you know, the, the Washington Mutuals coming in and offering stated income deals to W-2 employees. Yeah, that which, was a big mistake. Which, by the way, it is impossible to do that loan and not commit fraud. Yeah, the unless it's the exactly the same. <laughs> that it's fraudulent. Yeah. So we have to have some form of reasonable regulation that allows qualified buyers who don't fit into the squares and circles that we have right now yeah. to go ahead and, and get properties. But it is, it is reasonable regulation that needs to take place. I, I'm glad that you said that. We only have one minute left, and I just want to wrap up because I'm really so thankful that you came in and gave us uh, the time that you did, and we're going to absolutely have you and or Frank back. We love you guys very much, and we recommend everybody to go to our website right now and link up with um, the good folks over there at National Real Estate Post. We want to thank you for coming in, and, and the bottom line on all of this is, is guys, get involved and understand what the process is and try to educate yourself. You can do that through thehousinghour.com. We have a treasure trove of information for all of you to just go in and digest. We're available. Me and Mark will be happy to talk with you and give you the information you need. But anyway, Brian Stevens, thank you for coming in today. Well, thank you so much, guys. And you make it a wonderful day. I appreciate it so much. I'll make it a sunny day. How about that? We'll see you next week right here on The Housing Hour. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took a midnight train That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.